Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Luke 22, verses 47 through 51. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you really doing this right now? Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? A lot of people know it hurts more when the people close to you hurt you than it does when I say, like, if you just, just shoot me, but don't kiss me, then shoot me. Like, it gets worse, right? Are you really betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, whose name was Malchus, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. I want to do a recap uh, really quickly about what we've talked about these last three weeks. In case this is your first Sunday with us, well, so good to have you. Um, but also to set up what I believe God is going to try and share uh, with us uh, today. And so in the first week, we met a man named Lazarus who was in a grave for four days before Jesus brought him back to life. And I think Jesus is trying to set a picture, trying to lay out a context that's saying, sometimes in life you'll get your miracle, but your miracle will come at the end of waiting. Times in life where we got to wait for the miracle to come in our life. And the miracle is not what we get to, but what God walks with us through. And then after that, we met a man named Bart. That was the second miracle. Bart was deaf. I'm sorry, Bart was, yes, no, Bart was blind, <laughs> not deaf. He heard Jesus coming, but God healed him. And a Bart had to actually fight for his miracle. Jesus walked right past him until he shouted at the top of his lungs, Jesus, Jesus, the crowds told him to be quiet, but he shouted a little louder. And we said, sometimes you gotta wait for your miracle because there are times when you have to wait, but there are also times when you have to work. When God is saying, I'll do what you can as soon as you do what you can. When you do what you can, then I'll step in and I'll do what you can. I'll come and I'll help you and I'll be that strength. But there are times when uh, we have to wait, there are times when we have to work. And then we met the fig tree. How many people were blessed by last Sunday's message? We met the fig tree. And the fig tree uh, was a tree that Jesus came across that had no fruit. And so Jesus took the life of the fig tree. And we said, sometimes in life, things are taken from us. But if they're taken from us, we've got to trust and believe that God knows what he's doing. So sometimes in life, we wait. There are times in life where we work. There are times in life when things are taken. And I love this fourth miracle because God is so good because he sets up the context for the final miracle before the last resurrection. By the way, this is the last person Jesus heals before he goes to the cross. So it's significant. And I love it because the context is this. It's not waiting. It's not a time when we wait. It's not a time when we work. It's not a time when things are taken. Sometimes a miracle will happen in the times of life when we're being attacked. Yeah. How many people know and have experienced, there are times in life when people attack you, when the circumstances of life feel like they are attacking you, when it seems like everyone is out to get you. 
And I think what's so miraculous about what Jesus does here is how he flips it. You know how that one time he turned water into wine? Except he doesn't do that here. He turns an attempt to harm into an opportunity to heal. Isn't that cool? How God can flip what someone meant to hurt you into an opportunity to heal you and heal others. That's what God can do. He's good like that. And so I'm going to present to you the title of today's talk. And it's uh, quite simply uh, this. Uh, healing those who hurt you. Healing those who hurt you. Now I was torn. This is honestly my plan B title. I had a plan A title. When I preach, I try and, and be as artistic as possible. I like things to rhyme or have some form of alliteration or keep some kind of theme. And so the first uh, sermon in this series was uh, Meet Your Miracle. And then the second one is the makings of a miracle. And then the third one was when a miracle is what it takes. And I tried so hard to get miracle into this title, I just couldn't. My plan A title was actually, I wrote it down because I think you wouldn't believe me. It's, it, my plan A title was actually this. The fact that I don't punch you in the face right now is a miracle. <laughs> that was my plan A title. I figured it would offend some people. I thought some people might get upset. Uh, so I decided not to go with it. This is your first time in church. I figured that would be a bad way to introduce myself to you. And so I just, you know, I'm going to just go with healing those who hurt you. But, but the fact that I don't punch you in the face right now is a miracle. It's a great way of summarizing. It's a great way of summarizing how we feel like we should respond when people do come against us. Am I right? Come on, there are some people in life, it feels like their spiritual gift is to annoy you. Like God created them and he said, hey, here's why I put you on the earth. Like birds, you will fly. Uh, cows, you will do the milk thing. Uh, uh, John, let me introduce you to Christina. You are here to ruin her life. I've given you every ability, everything she hates about a person is embodied in you. And, uh, and you are there just to just, to just annoy her. And, uh, and, 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 that, and, that, and that, that, that hurts. And, and I know people like that. They don't even have to say anything. It's just their face. Like, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> face is annoying me right now. I'm just, I love people. That's why I became a pastor. Uh, but there are people like that, and there are opportunities like that. And let me just say that. Don't be surprised when people try and hurt you. Please don't be surprised when you go through life and people uh, backstab you and, turn, and talk bad about you. Because here's what the Bible says. Matthew 24, 10. Many will be offended. We'll betray one another and we'll hate on one another. Not some, many. Luke chapter 17, verse 1, check this out. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Impossible. We live, a, we live in a world where there are many who are out to get us and it's impossible for them not to hurt us. The question then is not if we will get hurt or if we will get offended, but what will we do when people hurt and offend us? That is the question. So we shouldn't be surprised when it happens to, to, to us, but I would say this, we should be surprised that it was ever happened to Jesus. I think we should be surprised that Jesus allowed himself to get into a corner. I mean, after all, Jesus knows all things. The Bible says that ever since Lazarus, there was a group of people who were out to kill him. But every time they went into a town to kill him, Jesus knew that he'd be there, and so he avoided capture. You know, it's hard to surprise someone who knows everything. <laughs> there is no surprise attack on Jesus. Like, he knew you were coming. Right? Uh, the, the, the Bible says one time that he was in his hometown of Nazareth, and, and the people, he didn't like, they didn't like what Jesus was saying because he was one of them, and now he was putting himself above them. And so they, they grabbed him, and they went to throw him off a cliff. And Jesus, being, being Jesus, the Bible says he just walks right through the crowd. Talk about, like, some X-Men superpower type stuff. Like, they grabbed him, and he just walked right through the crowd. Didn't even get touched. They couldn't lay a finger on him. 
One time he was in a boat and there was a storm and the boat was rocking and the water was filling up the boat and Jesus got out and said, shut up storm. And the rain stopped and the thunder stopped and the lightning stopped. Not even nature could harm God. What's my point? I'm telling you that if Jesus finds himself in a position where he is threatened, it is not incidentally, it is not accidentally, it is intentional. Intentionally, he put himself in that position. But the question is why? Why would Jesus allow himself to be vulnerable when he had every power and every insight to avoid it? I think it has something to do with you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says this. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He experienced it all except all but sin. You see, I don't like to say that he wanted to go through what he went through because obviously it was torture and no man would want to be tortured. But I do believe he wanted to be able to relate with you when you went through what you went through. So he allowed himself to go through it. It's one of the unique distinctions of Christianity in a world where there are so many other faiths. A lot of other faiths declare that Christ came, that, that God is in the world and that God sympathizes with us. And that's great. No, sympathy means he loves us. But only Christ can make this claim. He says, not only do I sympathize with you, but I also empathize with you. The difference between sympathy and empathy is I have under I, I, I love you and I'm sorry you're going through that, but I've never went through it. Empathy is I know exactly what you're going through and I'm with you right now through it. How cool is it to know that we serve a God who empathizes with our weaknesses, who empathizes with the things that we're going through. That's why it had to be Jesus who betrayed him and no one else. So that when, so that when you were a victim of infidelity, Come on. Jesus could look at you and say, me too. Somebody I spent three years with turned his back on me. Hey, I know exactly what you're going through. Only Jesus can make that claim. Yeah. That's why they had to have the trial at night and not during the daytime. Well, what do you mean? Well, it was illegal to have a trial at night because there wasn't enough witnesses. But when the Pharisees grabbed them, they gave them a trial at nighttime. You know why? Because Jesus had to empathize with the situation you went through that was totally unfair. Unfairness. And so that when you've been working your butt off with the girl who wears the short skirt gets the promotion instead of you, and you start thinking, but I work harder, and I put my time in, and I've been, I've been doing overtime, and I've been, it's not fair that she got Jesus to say, I know, me too. They tried me at night. Can you believe that? <laughs> at night. I know exactly what you're going through. I got your back. Unfairness. And of course, the moment, the moment that the unfairness comes in, he hears a rooster crow. And, and, and he looks, the Bible says that he looks to his right as he's there on trial. He looks to his right and he makes contact with his best friend, Peter, who just finished cursing Jesus out. There were, uh, the mob was forming around Peter and they were like, you know Jesus, don't you? And they're like, no, uh-uh, I don't know him. And they like, didn't you just cut some dudes off in the, in the park? Like, I'm pretty sure that was you. Like, you literally still have the blood on your shirt. It wasn't me. The Bible says he cursed Jesus out. He literally, he says, I don't know if he literally said, but he said, I don't know, no, and then whatever old school curse words, what he threw it in there. I don't know, no, blame Jesus. And then the rooster crows a third time, and Jesus makes him. That's why, listen, Jesus had to experience abandonment. So that when your best friend, the one that you've done things for for years, the one time you call them to need something from them, and they don't even bother to pick up the phone, Jesus looks at you and goes, yeah, 
I know what that's like. He denied me three times, and I was right there. Can you believe that? And of course, right after Peter denied him, he was, he was, uh, the verdict was guilty, and then they took him, and then they beat him, and they put a crown of thorns on his head, and flogged him on the back. Why? Because he had to experience abuse. So that when you pray, Father God, what my uncle did to me when I was a child, what that person did to me when I was in that relationship, it hurts God, it hurts. How could they hurt me like that? How could they abuse me like that? And Jesus from heaven could look down and say, I know what that feels like, I've been abused too. I've been beaten too, I know what that's like. He had to, he empathized with us. And then of course, after the abuse, there's actually a loophole in Jewish law on that holiday, on the Passover, on the Passover weekend, that one criminal gets to be released. And so Jesus is getting up in front of all the people that he's been serving, all the people that he's been healing, all the people that he's been doing miracles. Pilate, the Roman governor, kind of feels bad because Jesus is obviously innocent. And so he presents the worst criminal he can find, a man named Barabbas. The worst, he was a murderer, a murderer, like guilty, like red-handed, murderer. And Pilate says to them, which one do you want me to release to you on this holiday, Jesus or Barabbas? The whole crowd yells, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. Why? Because Jesus didn't experience rejection. So for you teenagers who were, who were in the audience today, you sent that little love letter, and you said, check yes or check no, and she'd be a third box, heck no, and she'd check that and send it back to you. And now you're crushed because you've been rejected by the one girl you swore you were going to marry. Let me tell you, Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected too. He can relate to that rejection. Standing in front of a crowd of people who he's done nothing but good to. Give us, give us batteries. We don't want it. And then, of course, he gets hung on a cross. Naked. Naked. Why? So that he can empathize with your humiliation. The time people put your stuff out there. The time when you were let hanging dry. And everybody walked by you. So everything in your life and all your laundry was out there. And you feel like, oh my goodness, I just can crawl under a rock right now. Jesus can say, hey, I know what you went through. I know what you experienced. I've been through it too. There isn't a person in this room who can't relate to one of those words on that screen. And I want you to know, Jesus came to earth not just to wipe away every sin and heal every sickness. He came so that you could have a me too God. Someone who, when you prayed, can say, hey, man, I've been there. They did it to me too. And here's the best part. And I made it through. Yeah. They tried to kill me. And I came back three days later. And if I could come back, you could come back. That's my God. He's been through it all. And he's still standing. Still standing. Let me encourage you. If Jesus went through it and made it through, you can make it through too. Just keep going through. Keep going through. But you got to handle the situation just like Jesus did. That's why I believe he went through this. So you can show you how to handle it. So in case you haven't noticed yet, Jesus is the example of the way we should live our lives. In everything, we do what Jesus does. People say, why do you get baptized? And my short answer is this, because Jesus got baptized. <laughs> Whatever Jesus did, I want to do it. What size shoe was Jesus? I want to wear their size shoe. I want to be like Jesus. Whatever he did, I want to be like Jesus. Now, now Peter, though, Peter's great. Peter serves an awesome purpose in the Bible. All the times in the New Testament, uh, before the cross, Peter is the example of everything you should do. Now, most of the time, 90% of the time, one time he jumped out of a boat and started walking on water, now, but then he drowned, so he kind of erased it. But uh, most of the time, Peter is a terrible example 
away. And this is one of those times. So listen, do what Jesus does when people hurt you, and don't do what Peter did when people try and hurt you and offend you and, and, uh, and, and, and mess you up. Here's what Peter does. Peter comes, and he sees the guards running towards Jesus, and he's with Jesus there, and the guards are coming and approach, and he asks Jesus. He says, Jesus, should I, should I, do you want me to attack them? Because I will, I will cut a brother, Jesus. You just give me the word, and I will do it, Jesus. You just tell me. I got this. I, Jesus, I got your back. I got you. Jesus doesn't answer quick enough. And Peter did what we often do when we think God's not listening. He took the situation into his own hands. Took the situation into his own hands. He said, well, if God's not going to protect me, then I'm going to protect myself. I get it. He was afraid. There was people coming with swords. I get it. He was anxious. He was asking Jesus, Jesus, do you want me to attack? Jesus, do you want me to attack? And Jesus is like, Calm down, bro. <laughs> Jesus, do you want me to? I can't anymore. <laughs> he just, he wouldn't wait. I get it. He was anxious. And probably most importantly, he was angry. You're coming for my Jesus. My Jesus? I grew up in New York, and the worst thing you could say in New York was a mama joke. Especially for us young Puerto Ricans. Like, our mama was everything. <laughs> Talking about my mama. I gotta imagine that Peter kind of felt, in a good way, right? Same way about Jesus. You're coming for my Jesus? Don't you be coming for my Jesus. How dare you? I get angry. And here's the problem, though. In the midst of his anger, and in the midst of his anxiety, and in the midst of his fear, he forgot. He lost sight. Try and catch this with me, because it's a revelation when you grab it. He lost sight that the maker of heaven and earth was still right there with him. He might not have been moving the way he wanted him to move, but he was there. He was there. And, and I like to read the I like to read the Bible. I like to imagine it like a, like a TV show, like I'm there. And I'm imagining the scenario. And, and, and Peter grabs a sword and he and he hits the ear. And, and, and my eyes zoom in on Jesus. And so now I've got a close-up on Jesus and I'm imagining Jesus in my mind. And I don't know if if, if you see this, but what I see is one of those faces, like. Like one of those, what are you doing, faces? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know when somebody cuts you off in traffic only to be stopped at a red light? <laughs> and then you get up beside them and you're like, what are, you, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? I gotta imagine that Peter is, that Jesus is looking at Peter and he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's me. Don't you remember the one who calmed the storm? Don't you remember the guy who healed Lazarus from the dead? Don't you remember the guy who opened the eyes of Bartimaeus? Don't you remember the guy who healed the ten people who were suffering from leprosy? Don't you remember the guy who raised Jairus' daughter back from the dead? Don't you remember the guy that walked through people? Don't you remember the guy who, who walked on water? You don't think I can take five dudes? You don't think I can take five dudes? After all I've done? Listen, when we get defensive, God gets offended. When we get defensive, God gets offended. Looking at us like, why are you fighting a fight that I'm perfectly capable of handling? Well, Jesus, you're not moving fast enough. You didn't move it like, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, Jesus. And if the pressure's coming, and if you're not going to do something, I'm going to do something. Because they're getting close. Yeah, but I'm here. But I'm here. And I got your back. Have I ever failed you? Have I ever let you down? Has there ever been a time you've called out to me and I haven't come and rescued? Why don't you trust me? Trust me. I know that they're coming in, but nothing happens without me giving the word. Amen. Nothing happens without me giving the word. I got this. 
I know you're afraid and I know you're anxious and I know you're angry, but don't let those emotions block your sight of the fact that Jesus Christ is standing with you right next to you in the midst of that attack. And he's not going to let nothing happen to you without his approval. He knows it. He's a, but, but because we don't see him, we think he's not moving. Just the other day, I woke up early in the morning to have a meeting, and my son Zane uh, woke up, uh, and, and usually when he wakes up, I'm already up, so he comes out and he sees me and he's happy, but he woke up in the morning, and I, woke, and I was gone, and so he, he didn't see me, so he asked my wife, he said, where's daddy? They said, well, daddy is in a meeting right now, and he said, he's supposed to be here, he's my friend. <laughs> so I came home, Liz told me what he said. I said, man, I'm here, man, I love you, man, I'm right here. And he said, oh, that's great, gave me a hug, we were chilling, having breakfast, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I love having breakfast with my kids, every opportunity I can, it's, it's great. By the way, mealtime is the best time to have fellowship with people you love. Let me just say that. Um, even biblically, uh, Jesus at the, the Last Supper, the Last Supper was the last moment of fellowship that he had. And so, uh, so if you love food, amen, you might be God like you, that might be a little bit Jesus in you, okay, be like eating, that might be a little Jesus in you, amen. And so... And so, uh, so I, you know, hanging out with him, and then he goes to hang out with his brother. But I wasn't going to say bye, so he goes to hang out with his brother, and while he's talking to his brother, I, I don't sneak out, but I, I don't say bye. I just go upstairs to my office, and as I go upstairs to my office, I can hear him. Uh, he says, he says, he looks around, and I'm saying, I'm not there, I didn't say bye. He looks at this, he goes, Mommy, that's what he said. He goes, Mommy, why is Daddy always disappearing? <laughs> It's like that. Why is daddy always disappearing? But I hadn't disappeared. I was in my office. When it feels like God's missing, remember he's still working. Amen. He didn't see me because I was up to something. But he didn't think I was up to something because he didn't see me. You have to understand, learn, and trust that it might not feel like it because the arrows are flying by you. It might not see like it, feel like it. This is the third time that person threw you down at Twitter. It might not feel like it because your husband keeps lying and your friends keep leaving you. But God is still there and he is still working. He's still working. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, you got to trust him. He's working. He's up to something. But the question is, will you let him work? Because it's like old school tag team rules. Only one person in the ring is allowed at a time. Do you remember that? I don't watch wrestling anymore. I used to watch it back when it was WWF. When they changed the letter, I jumped out. As soon as I found out it was fake, it was like bigger than Santa Claus to me. It was just, what do you mean it's, what do you mean that guy's not really undead? What do you mean? Oh, Kobe's not really from California. What do you mean? And so, but they were my favorite matches were the tag team matches. And in the tag team matches, you have, there was only one person who was allowed to fight. If you wanted the other guy to fight, you had to tag. You had to tag. And before, before he could come in, you had to get out. God is like, hey, I will do this for you, but I can't do this for you if you want to do this for yourself. You need to get out the ring so that I can do the fighting. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
The battle is mine, and I've got this. Can I teach you four words that have absolutely revolutionized your life? And I know I say that a lot. If you've been coming to church for a while, I believe that everything can change your life. I do. Because <laughs> it's God, every part of it. But these four words are like some of the most, some of the most, you can use them over and over and over again. And, and it's this, and I want you to say it with me. Uh, so repeat after me. Let go. That's good. We're going to try one more time. I want 100% participation. Because this is going to help you on Monday. Ready? Let go. Let go. And let God. Let go. Let go. And let God. I know it's not profound. I know it's kind of simple. But let me tell you, surrendering to Jesus Christ and God's will for your life will do more than a pill for anxiety or a three-hour counseling session. I believe in medication. I believe in counseling. It's all good. But sometimes you just got to let go and let God. That person who hurt you when you were five, let go and let God fight that. That person who's been blowing you up on social media, you need to let go and let God fight that. That boss who's out to get you and ruin your career, you know what? Just let go and let God. That family member who just seems like they're out to destroy your marriage, just let go and let God. Let God fight. Let God take control. You know, sometimes last Sunday we talked about the fact that faith is taught as, as, a, as asking for things and receiving. But then we said sometimes you need faith for when God takes. Can I tell you, we always hear so on the faith to move. But what about the faith to stay? Amen. What about the faith to stay? You know, sometimes it takes faith to not punch somebody in the face. It takes faith to not to fight back. It takes faith to not go down to that level. It takes faith to not repay evil for evil. It takes faith to say, it's okay, I got a God, and he's got me. He fights my battles. Tag, you're it. Jump in the ring. I tried to win. I can't. That, when you get to that place, let me just tell you, that is ultimate freedom. And so I love, I love Jesus because he didn't just tell us that. He also exemplified that. The Bible says that Jesus turned it over to the Father. He turned it over to the Father. He gave up his opportunity to defend himself. And he could have, by the way. He could have defended himself. Here's what Matthew 26 says. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us? I could. I could ask my Father. He's in the he's right there. Guards are coming. I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, you see what happened there? If I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? What Jesus did was powerful. He separated his, he separated his, I could. He said, I could do this right now. I could react. I could respond. But you know what? I, 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 if I do that, then this is going to happen. Here's what I love about Jesus. He was able to separate his pain from his purpose. Or better, or better said, he separated his I could from his I should. Yeah. Oh, separate your I could from your I should. Amen, that's right. I, I could comment back, but I probably should just ignore him. Yeah. I could pack up all my clothes right now and leave that man and he will appreciate me then. <laughs> but you probably should just go find some help. <laughs> should just go to some counseling. I could, but I should. Because if I do that, then I lose on the bigger purpose that's at play here. You can't forget your purpose. When you hurt people, you can lose your purpose. True story. It's going to make me look like a terrible person, but that's okay. I feel like the more human I make myself to you, the more understand, you understand that God's after human people, not perfect people. Um, uh, we went to the gym the other day, and, uh, and we were trying to get Liz uh, a membership, but, but we wanted to get one of the free memberships, like those three-day memberships. 
and I was a member, so I figured, just come with me. We'll go, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll do it. And so we went there, and I'm like, hey, this is my wife. She just wants to try it out for a couple of days. Let's go. And so, and so we, we, we go, but before we go, the guy behind the counter says, well, do you mind if I give her a tour? Anybody who goes to the gym knows, you just want to get in and get out. <laughs> you know, but I don't like confrontation. Like, I have a problem with that. I'm trying to God help you. I'm more like, God help me. I'm more like a passive-aggressive guy. I need Jesus to heal me on that because I didn't want to confront him, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> give it to her, give it to her. Give it to her. And the whole tour, God help me, the whole tour, like that, the whole tour, I got the stankiest face, <laughs> the ugliest attitude. I really do. I'm just, the guy's just, and this is our, is our Zumba room. And this is our weights, and I'm like. And then finally, Liz, 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 Liz tells me, she goes, you are embarrassing me right now. She said, she said, and this is what she said, and then my disposition changed. She says, don't forget why we're here. She wasn't talking about having a gym membership. She said, don't forget, we moved to this city to start a church. He might walk through those doors one day. And what happens when the pastor, when the pastor is Mr. Stankface? <laughs> what happens then? What happens then? I said, oh my God, baby, you're right. I had to apologize to the dude. Uh, I, I was like, hey man, I, like, I love your shoes. Uh, <laughs> you know, great, he has some Jordans on, they were clean. I was like, man, you got some great sneakers, man. Uh, really cool, what's your name? And his name was Jordan. And I was like, oh, awesome, man. Match your shoes, man. You're awesome, dude. Just want to, sorry about my, my poor attitude earlier. Uh, and uh, and here's, here's what I had to I had to separate my pain from my purpose. I could have, it was in my ability, I could have given them an attitude, but I probably should have just been kind and compassionate. And, and every time someone hurts you, and every time someone offends you, and every time someone, you have an opportunity to do what you could or do what you should. And remember that God's got you in this city for a reason. He's got you in your family for a reason. Yeah. Do the, so, so what do I do? Do I just pretend like it's not happening? No, because but, 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 but God has a better solution. Here's what it says in Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. We're good. We're good. Good will do more in the battle. I've never once fought back and won. You know what I mean? Like, it felt good for the moment, but the long term was terrible. It never worked out. I remember one time we were at a, at a hotel. We got there at 2 in the morning from a trip, and there was one lady behind the counter, 2 in the morning. And I, I don't know what Liz was asking her for, maybe like an extra cop. We had some friends with us. It was still in Georgia somewhere. And uh, we are coming back from North Carolina. And the lady was so mean and so angry and so upset. We wouldn't give Liz anything she asked for. And so Liz came into the elevator and said, this lady has something going on right now. She's got an attitude, she's that, that. And I said, I said, well, you know, I would talk to her. To my wife like that. <laughs> and I went down there, ready to give this woman a piece of my mind. And when I did, the Holy Spirit ministered to me and said, ask her how her days were going. So I come out there and I'm like, hey, uh, my wife was just here a couple minutes ago. Yeah. Hey, man, it's late, huh? At 2 a.m. I said, what kind of shift have you been working? She said, back to back. Been here since 8 a.m. Somebody called out, and it's the third time this week this has happened. I said, "Man, you must be having a tough day." She said, "Sure am." I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. So sorry to hear that. Uh, 
is, is there anything I can do for you? I'm like, yo, can you want a cup of water? Go get you a cup of water. She's like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. Like, yeah. I said, um, hey, about that cop. <laughs> it was like a 180, man. The lady said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, and I'm sorry about getting your attitude right there. This has been a long day. I go, yeah, no, I get it, totally for the period. Room 212, thank you. <laughs> God, God, did it. God did his thing. He worked his out. I was able to accomplish with, with, with healing what something I could not accomplish. The Bible teaches us to pray and bless our enemies. Pray and bless our enemies. Could you imagine what would happen if Democrats started praying for Republicans? And if Republicans started praying for Democrats? Could you imagine if the president started praying for the people and the people started praying for the president? Could you imagine the unity and the healing if black people started praying for white people and white people started praying for black people and Spanish people started praying for Asian people and Asian people started praying for Spanish people? It would be all out revival if we just got on our knees and instead of figuring out ways to hurt our enemies, we thought of ways to bless our enemies, to pray for them, to love on them. And I know what you're thinking. Why pray for them? Why bless them if they're never going to change. They're never going to change. You're going to keep on hurting. You're going to keep on doing bad. You're going to keep on wounding. You're going to keep on disrespecting. They're going to keep on, on inflicting hurt on my life. If they're not going to change, why bless them? Why pray for them? Oh, that's right. Well, I, I get it. It's a good question. But that's what I love about the end of the story. You know, the Bible's so good because it don't make stuff up. You know it doesn't make stuff up because the ending is never what Hollywood would make the ending. That's how you know the Bible's real. Because the ending, you're like, whoa, 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 hold up, go back. What? What happened? So you got this guy named Malchus who gets his ear chopped off. And he's with, he's leading, he's the servant of the high priest. So he's leading the group while he says, go. Peter pulls out his sword, chops the man's ear off. His ear is hanging, dangling from it. Everybody sees it. Jesus comes up to him and says, First he rebukes Peter, then talks about all the angels, and then he comes and he takes this man and he puts it in, spiritually sewn on. Here's this man. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me how this story ends. Oh my God, Jesus. Yeah, oh my, did you just see that? Did you see that? You could go. You could go, Jesus. I'm sorry. The high priest sent me here. You are obviously not who he said you were. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. I mean, you just sold my ear back on with a prayer. Guys, wrap it up. One guard is behind Malchus. He's like, oh my gosh, did you see that? She's like, I got some back pain. Could you just like... <laughs> I got a dog. He's got some, would you mind praying for him? Everybody asking for miracles. Everybody's just jumping on Jesus. After that, right? Wait, isn't that how it's supposed to happen? The man didn't have an ear, and then he had an ear. Like, it should be over. Attack, dissuaded. But no. Look at verse 54. As soon as the ear gets back on, then they seized him and led him away. Excuse me? Picture that with me. Oh my God, my ear, my ear. I got you, son, don't worry about it. Father, I won't say in Jesus' name, in my name. <laughs> Heal him. Me. Hands behind your head. 
two questions. One, how could he? And here's my only answer. Some people will never change. So stop trying to change people. Somebody right now. Let us say Some people will never change. Stop trying to change people. Some people are going to be who they are, no matter how good you do. Because in the back of your mind, you think, well, if I was just a bit kind, if I was just, if I had done that, if my husband was this, if that was that, then they'd be okay. Some people are never going to change, and you got to be okay with that. My second question, though, is, Jesus, why? Why would you heal him, even though you know he's going to still arrest you? And my answer is this. Because healing, I've said, healing is who Jesus was. He was a healer when he saw Lazarus. He was a healer when he saw Bartimaeus. He was a healer when, when Jairus' daughter was on the, on, the, on, the, on the deathbed. He was a healer when he came to Peter's mother-in-law. He was a healer with the new boy who had spirits in him. He was a healer with the guy who had a thousand demons inside of him. He was a healer. A healer is who he was. And so we heal them because a healer is who he was. Or other words, this, listen. You don't pray for people so that they'll change. Who hurt, you don't pray for people who hurt you so that they'll change. You pray for people who hurt you so that their hurt doesn't change you. Come on, amen. You need to grab that. We're not, we're not praying for the people who hurt us so that they'll change. We're praying so that their hurt doesn't change. You know what's so amazing about this miracle? The context. It happens right after Judas betrayed him. In other words, his best friend turns his back on him. And instead of allowing it to make him bitter, he just continues being who he always was. Imagine if Jesus had gotten bitter. Judas betrays him. The guy he spent three years with. And then Malchus's ear falls off. And he's on the way to the cross. And he goes, oh my goodness, you know what? Forget this. Judas turned his back on me, somebody I spent three years with? What hope do the rest of the world have? What hope for the, for the rest of 2,000 years of history? Forget this, a thousand angels come right now, I'm done. I'm out. Could you imagine if he allowed Judas's hurt to make him, Judas's betrayal to make him bitter? I look at my son, Zane, I don't talk about him a lot, but I look at my son and I see he, he is, I had to tell him to stop laughing at the dinner table last night. That's how much he loves laughing. And smiling, laughing and smiling. I was even choking your food and I stopped laughing. I had to literally had to put him in another room so he would stop laughing. <laughs> and I felt bad because all I kept telling him to do was stop laughing, stop laughing. And then I and then I, and then I, I meet people every day in ministry who can't stop crying. And I thought to myself, what happens? Because that's how we're created. We're created with joy. We're created with laughter. We're created with smile. Isn't it amazing how one moment can change your entire self? How one moment of hurt, how one moment of abuse, how one moment of rejection, how one moment of betrayal, how one moment of abandonment, how one moment of humiliation, how one moment can change your entire life. I look at people now and I go, man, what happened to you? Because I'm sure that wasn't the two-year-old you. Who hurt you? Who came into your life and, and destroyed you? Who stole your smile? You used to have a great smile. People used to have to tell you to stop laughing. Who stole that from us? What? moment that we allow to penetrate into our lives, steal our joy. Whoever it was, and whatever it was, today's the day we let it go. We let it go, and we let God. Thanks so 
much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.